For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. One of the biggest tourist destinations in New York City is Broadway. Last season alone, the industry grossed $1.8 billion, selling more than 14.7 million tickets to fan favorites like Hamilton. March 12th, the lights went out temporarily due to the coronavirus. Then over the summer, the shutdown was extended. I told you at the top of the show, Broadway theaters today extended their shutdown. Shows will now remain dark through at least January 3rd. The Lincoln Center Opera House and the Metropolitan Opera recently announced plans to remain closed for the next season. The financial impact has been staggering. Where does all this leave the theater industry? When you think of live theater, most of us think of the performers, the actors, and musicians. But what about the workers behind the scenes? How has all of this impacted their lives, and what will the industry look like when it finally returns? Joining me on the podcast to discuss the lights out on Broadway is James Claffey Jr., the president of Local One at the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, IATSE. Jim's also a vice president of IATSE International, and he serves as a vice president on our executive council at the New York State AFL-CIO. So, Jim, welcome to the Union Strong podcast. Thank you, Darcy. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you start, Jim, uh, just by telling our listeners a little bit about IATSE, your union, your local, and who your members are, where they work? Sure. Uh, local One is about 3,600 members. Our geographical jurisdiction uh, is Manhattan, Staten Island, the Bronx, Westchester, Putnam, Suffolk, and Nassau counties of Long Island. Our jurisdiction covers all live theater, live television, uh, industrially events, all special effects, all scenic elements, shops, creations of all uh, scenic elements that you see uh, in all uh, entertainment fields, which some examples, uh, the obvious are uh, all Broadway theaters, uh, Radio City Music Hall, Madison Square Garden, the Met Opera, all the television networks, and again, all the scenic uh, and uh, special effects shops that provide all those uh, elements to all those different venues. Right. I've seen you've been described as the union behind entertainment, really, right? Among them, yes. <laughs> and we're proud of that. And th- and these are um, really good careers, right? I mean, these people, your members get into this industry, and it's their lifelong career, many of them. It, it is. And, uh, and most uh, get into the career at, with, with an early education. And uh, and they do. They, they, uh, they thrive on uh, getting additional education and, and hands-on. Uh, with their craft, and it's a uh, it's a good lifelong career if uh, if you're you know doing the best to show up on time and uh, and exert yourself and uh, represent yourself well, absolutely. So, Jim, you've been with Local One for a long time, and um, a Broadway last went dark after the terrorist attacks on 9/11. Yes. So, and yes, that was, was that was uh, only for a couple of days, right? I was business agent at the time. I was business agent for six years, and that was one of the, uh, I guess, the the doomy and gloomiest parts of it. Uh, but I believe we went down for maybe four or five days. Though at that time, uh, 
many Broadway producers and theater owners thought it would be going much longer because the audiences fear to return, which is uh, which is obviously an even greater uh, you know thought now with with uh, today's times. I was wondering that. Do you remember people were apprehensive then, concerned about safety returning? I, I think that the people who are you know most challenged with filling the seats had mm-hmm. a fear that, uh, frankly, at that time, surprise us was unfounded because the general public did come back mm-hmm. uh, sooner than everybody had thought. And there was a, uh, you know, there's frankly a, a thought to uh, not let, uh, let any, not let anybody beat, you know, being uh, normal right. and, uh, and let the American people go back to uh, the viewing their, their shows and going back to their daily lives. And uh, we expected to be out much longer than four days. You know, at that time it was fortunate and, uh, and everybody felt safe and you know what, it carried on. And so, you know, now here we are, right? No one could have ever imagined a shutdown like we're experiencing now. Um, what has it meant for the industry in terms of jobs on hold, shows, productions halted? It's, uh, it's quite unimaginable. It's for the first time where many of these, uh, many of the tragedy of our industry and other industries, obviously, and, then, and there's, a, you know, there's a domino effect to this, is out of our hands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, frankly most of us feel really helpless and be able to help because if there's a, if there's a resource or, or, you know, anything that we can assist to bring our industry back, we would be doing it. Uh, it's left in the hands of, of other folks. And to be honest, safety is paramount for everybody, not only for us working in the, uh, you know, in our venues, but also for the audiences and the expectation that audiences are going to return in this climate is not good. And when you have producers and theater owners where, you know, frankly, money talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if you're going to have an open theater and any thought that you can't uh, get people to come and pay their way, it just doesn't make any sense to uh, you know with the costs of uh, of putting on a production and then they're extreme in some cases, in most cases, and then not to expect a return by folks that don't show up as a paying audience is really something that's very daunting and you, and they can't take that chance. Beyond the fact. People, you know, should be safe and feel safe. Um, most are going to be hesitant in today's climate just to sit next to each other, obviously. Mm-hmm. So how have your members been coping throughout this pandemic? Well, frankly, we, we have a small percentage of members that are still working. For anybody who looks at their television broadcasts or their, or their, uh, you know, their nighttime talk shows, uh, you know, our folks are, we do television production. So we have uh, folks behind the scenes that are doing all those. Uh, we have a, we have a few outdoor uh, events that take place. Uh, obviously none with large audiences. And we have some uh, events going on around town, some streaming events without audiences. And that seems to be the new, uh, the new thought among folks is to, if we're going to, you know, broaden uh, the brand of entertainment a little bit, if you can't do with, with, folks in the seats try to do something as a show that's you know that's going to bring a, a live broadcast to people at home who would otherwise come out uh, other than that we've got thousands of members that are home and uh and as you can imagine myself and many of my officers you know we lose a lot of sleep thinking about you know one can you live on unemployment uh when you're accustomed to making you know more than than what uh, unemployment weekly unemployment affords you, mm-hmm. uh, and when that when uh, weekly unemployment runs out, what do you do next? 
Uh, we have some very high earners in our local. We have some middle of the road earners in our local, and we have some some members who earn obviously less. It's a struggle for everybody when there's there's no hope in sight, and it's a real it's a real problem. It's, it's mentally and emotionally, you know, we're trying to do our best to keep our members engaged, whether that's in uh, the new world of Zoom or uh, just you know daily. Uh, email announcements that we send out to our entire membership or doing anything we can by video just to keep everybody, uh, you know, try to keep them in somewhat of good spirits and say, you know what, there's better days ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't replace the financial strain that that obviously everybody's experiencing. It's uh, it's really uh, it's troubling, obviously. And when you talk about in the broadcast field and news division, I imagine obviously they're working differently now because of safety protocols um, do you do you have members who actually go into um, or did go into like homes of TV personalities or news anchors because you do the things like the lighting and the sound to kind of set that up for them? Were they involved in that at all? We didn't. Not when they were at home because it was a much simpler broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in, in all those cases, you know, if you had one key light on somebody and they had a sound person that that didn't involve us at home. In fact, when it when it came back to the studios and and you mentioned the safety protocols mm -hmm. and the requirements for social distancing, and we respect that and we uh, we abide by it because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and we're back with limited crews when they bar when they're back in the studios. So, you know, for instance, Jimmy Fallon shot the Tonight Show from his from his living room, as did Colbert mm -hmm. and, uh, and some of the other talk show hosts. But you know, when they've come back. With the exception, I believe, of Seth Meyers, Trevor Noah, and uh, Colbert, um, when they're back, it's still reduced crews. So, you know, the same thing. We're we're trying to gear up to do Saturday Night Live. That'll be a reduced crew because of social distancing. And and again, we respect that. We want to keep ourselves safe. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just part of the world that we have to uh, embrace right now. And I imagine everybody's kind of on pins and needles because you don't want to see the cases start to break out and, and even, you know, stop those productions from happening. So I'm sure they're following very closely on all the safety protocols. So um, what about with Broadway? How are there meetings taking place and discussions taking place for theater to get, you know, back open? Like when might that happen? What could it look like? What's what kind of talks are going on behind the scenes? So for the most part, you know, we we've had earlier you know in the summer we had discussions about some of the loadouts that we have to do because some of the shows you know during the during the closure period have closed so uh so frozen is obviously the most high profile one that uh that we just completed out for after many weeks uh and again our crews were inside and uh and they have to take all the equipment out and you know as you can imagine a loading that takes a couple of months it does take some time to take it out um you know, the unions are in conversations about safety protocols and guidelines that we suggest to employers because employers are absolutely responsible for maintaining the workplace and the unions are responsible on behalf of our members to make sure those are enforced. Um, we are not part of the, you know, the employer's discussion on how they bring their audiences back. Not yet. Mm -hmm. I imagine that will be taking place later. For instance, you mentioned Broadway. Well, the Broadway League has a very huge task force. They have a very, uh, uh, a very, very large set of constituents, and they have a, you know many, many task forces that the unions are not involved with in this stage. And frankly, I get that because the employer holds that full responsibility. But 
you know, the unions itself, you know, we're coordinating and we're talking about how we can, you know, interact when we do come back. And, and obviously at this point with, with nobody, uh, you know, fully engaged, we have to make sure that we have safety provisions in place when they do return. Um, I'm hoping that we're, uh, and, and I just want to be mindful, Darcy, Broadway is a fraction of local one's jurisdiction, but it's, it's very important, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the Met Opera, um, which is the largest performing arts center on the planet, we have an equivalent amount of members working at the Met than we do on all of Broadway combined. Really? And and the Met just announced not only is there a closure, but they canceled the entire well, next season. The Met's general manager. You know, this week should have been the triumphant start of a new season. Instead, the health crisis forces us to now announce the cancellation of the season in its entirety. But you can imagine 350 stagehands are home and then there's even no further hope for them. Um, it's, uh, it's just, uh, again, I don't think tra- tragic is, is an overstatement. It's just really bad. And we're hoping, you know, not only hoping, but we're doing our best to uh, appeal to Washington for some additional help and hoping, uh, you know, folks in the Republican and the Democratic set, uh, Senate can get together and help the American people rather than look for votes and get some federal, uh, additional federal uh, unemployment uh, you know, supplement support and not, you know, most people, I would say a, a legitimate portion of the American workers are back, but there's millions and millions and millions of obviously unemployed and our industry is significantly unemployed with no end in sight right now. So we're hoping that we're going to get some help in addition to what the union tries to do, you know, in our own way. Is part of the HEROES Act, is there um, funding in there to help the entertainment industry? Absolutely. You know, I mentioned the unemployment. That, that's an obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as I said, in New York, you know, $504 a week is the maximum. Uh, and as I said, we have some earners that, that you know, maybe they can get by with that. But we have, you know, we have real sophisticated uh, technical jobs that they're you know, accustomed to earning more. And, you know, I think my best guess is that some are can can stay out for a little while. But for the great lengths that we've already been out and what we expect to be out, it's just going to be it's just going to be, you know, it's just really tough. We're also with the HEROES Act. We're looking for assistance, uh, as is every other local and organization across America, looking for assistance with our health care plan, as well as some assistance with our pension funds. And we're doing our best to hold on, but you know we need some help from uh, the federal government, and hoping again that these folks can get across the aisle and, and help you know the people that they they're supposed to represent. And you and it's so important for all of your members still to have that hope and that drive and want to stay in the in the industry for that comeback. And because, like you mentioned, I mean the whole economy of New York City depends upon it. I mean it's so far beyond. Um, you know, the theaters or the Met, it's all those um, hotels and the and the restaurants and that whole scene down there. There's just so many people and businesses dependent upon this industry. Absolutely. And and we coordinate with the hotels and, and obviously the, you know, the hotel workers and the, and the restaurant workers. You think of the parking lot attendants, you know, all the all the different vendors in the streets and, and, and you go out there and it's just not there. And, and as I said earlier, it's a domino effect. And some of those businesses, some of those hotels, some of those restaurants, some of those vendors, not only are they not out now, but they're never going to come back. And somebody's got to help. 
Somebody's got to help. And, and again, no, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't help ourselves. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our obligation. And, and we are doing that. But uh, we're hoping from some outside help as well. And um, finally, then, um, is, is there anything you can share with us on any kind of negotiations going on to, um, you know, have that things in place and ready to go once these everything can get back to normal, whenever that is? Well, I'm hoping for normal, maybe somewhat normal sooner than later, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you are and everybody else. Mm-hmm. We're conducting negotiations right now on Zoom. And... I hate Zoom. We're all living in the world of Zoom. I have seven, eight, up to nine Zoom meetings a day, as is every other labor leader and executive, I'm sure, across America. Um, and you know, we we still have to to represent our folks, and we have you know we have grievance discussions, and we have uh, negotiations, and most negotiations, um, you know. Employers, you, you realize it's not the best time to go into a negotiation and ask for money mm-hmm. because our employers, you know, I can't stick my head in the sand. Our employers are struggling as we are struggling. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't use this time to leverage uh, the moment to achieve things that you couldn't achieve before. So we have we have it right now, I think up to six negotiations going on at one time. One significant at the Met Opera, mm-hmm. which, as I said, is our, our uh, largest employer and the largest uh, performing arts center on the planet. And uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the discussions and those negotiations are, are just uh, it's catastrophic at this point. I can imagine. Well, uh, Jim Claffey, Jr., um, president of Local One of IATSE uh, out of New York City, thank you for your time today. And we'll do whatever we can to support you and all the all the members. And we look forward to seeing the industry return uh, stronger than ever. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you as well, Darcy. Might please send my best to President Salento. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks. Take care. Joining me on the line now is our digital director and the editor of the Union Strong podcast, Kevin Einsman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. Boy, it's another tough conversation with an industry that's just reeling right now. These so many people out of work and it's the future so uncertain. And and we have something that's currently sitting in the Senate that would help that that has been negotiated and, and is part of the plan, but the set of Republicans. Uh, you know, hold hold the Senate and they're holding it up and Mitch McConnell won't let anything through. Right. I know we've got our support, you know, locked in here in New York State, but we also know we've got people from all over the country listening to this podcast. So um, there's certainly uh, some, some some things that they can do. And um, can you just direct people to um, our Twitter handle and some other places where they can get information? Because you're always putting stuff out there on how people can get involved and support these workers. Absolutely. Find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, at NYSAFL-CIO. Uh, and if you live in a state other than New York, contact your senators right away and, and ask them to, to bring this up. Uh, but Mitch McConnell really is the, the holdout on it. And you know, he's even uh, holding out COVID relief for workers like this while he's pushing through the uh, Supreme Court justice nomination. So. The other thing we can do is participate in our uh, virtual phone banks, nysaflcao.org. It's right on our front page, and you can find a phone bank to participate in and, and make some calls. All right, great. All good information. Thanks a lot, Kevin. 
Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.